This is the Selected Podcast, your backstage pass and exclusive access to some of the biggest names in the tech industry. Brought to you by Sesamers, the definitive name in tech event media. This is Ben from Sesamers, recording live from Medem 2024 for the Selected Podcast. We cover all things entrepreneurship, investment, culture, politics, and events. Today, I'm interviewing my good friend, Alan Bockfred, managing partner of Events Advisors. And I'm doing this interview within the Palladie Festival of Cannes, where Alan was moderating a couple of sessions for Medium 2024. Hi, Alan. How are you doing? Great. Happy to be here. Thank you. I'm so happy uh, to have you on the pod. Uh, we know each other for many years, uh, more than 10 years. And you're back here at Midem. So tell me about your background, like what were you doing? And especially one of the area that I'm curious about is you're a lawyer, you've been involved in music education, but you're also a business person. You've been building businesses. Tell me about your story. Yeah, so I'm an American music and technology lawyer by background, although now I focus uh, more of my time kind of on strategic advising and operating partner work for uh, music companies and their investors. Um, you know, over the years, I've done a lot of different things, including starting a think tank uh, at Berkeley College of Music called Rethink Music. That's how you and I got to know each other. Um, and as part of that, we did a lot of work on, on transparency in the music industry and, and particularly the metadata challenges that exist. So I co-founded a company called Verify Media. Um, which is still in existence, is focused on data sharing and a collaborative model for uh, various stakeholders in the music industry to improve their metadata by sharing with one another uh, certain data sets. Oh, sorry I, I, to interrupt, but what is the uh, metadata in the music industry? For metadata in the music industry is really what, uh, you know, it's, it's identifiers that uh, help streaming services, that help collective rights management organizations and rights holders to know what music you're listening to, what music I'm listening to, so that the, the royalties can be properly allocated to the record label or publisher or songwriter or, or uh, performer on that particular uh, track. And so I interrupted you at Very Fine Media. What else? What, 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 what else are you involved in? So again, today I'm focused really on kind of operating, uh, working with companies kind of in a strategic operational uh, role. Um, still heavily involved in, in, I guess, both the US and European mu music industry, uh, even though I live in Europe now. Uh, and then I'm launching a, a series of events in, in the southwest of France where I live. We're going to talk about it uh, in a moment. Uh, one of the things that you were, uh, uh, one of the sessions where you were moderating here was about uh, music assets. And uh, I had the pleasure to interview uh, Scott Cohen, who was on this uh, session. He told me about it. So we're educating our listeners about that particular um, uh, business. Can you tell us why it's an interesting field and why you also yourself you know, develop some specialty and uh, expertise in that space? Yeah, I mean, I think over you've really seen over the past 10 or 15 years as streaming has brought the music industry back to a very healthy state, uh, increased interest in owning music assets. And by music assets, I mean, you know, catalog, either revenue streams that are coming from songs or the copyrights themselves. And, you know, I think this really first came about after the 2008 financial crisis. You saw streaming start to, to grow. 
but you also saw very, very low, and in the case of Europe, negative interest rates. And so uh, investors, particularly large financial companies, were looking for stable income returns with low risk, and they started to look at music and say, this is an area, A, that's growing, and B, it's non-correlated to economic shocks, such as a recession. And, you know, potentially there's a way to have not VC type, you know, atmospheric returns, but uh, to make a decent return on, on capital invested. And so um, this has led to a lot of interest, a lot of money flowing into the space, a lot of people wanting to invest in music. Uh, and we spoke yesterday about a lot of the, the different ways that that can happen. Scott, for example, is, has launched a service that's going to allow retail investors to buy uh, a piece of a song. We had Fred Davis on the panel who was uh, speaking quite a bit about super fans and also this idea that, you know, music has always been valued by investors, by these, you know, institutional investors based on um, net publisher share earnings and, and, you know, different financial metrics, but that, you know, sports teams and, and artwork are valued on a on a totally different level. And so if you open up the opportunity to invest in these songs to a broader audience that it may actually unlock a lot of value and, and a lot more investment into the space. Uh, so I think it's super interesting. I think that there's, you know, what Scott's doing in particular, Mark from LabelCoin, uh, they're enabling artists and, and rights holders to unlock some of the value that exists in their songs. Uh, but it's definitely a, a market that's, that's maturing. There have been mm -hmm. also, you know, the hypnosis uh, is a big investor in London and they've had their ups and downs through the, through the process over the past couple of years. Uh, but definitely, I think more than ever, people are interested in, in music as an asset. I'm also curious, coming back to your background, uh, if there's anything special or like a reason why you uh, sort of closely, um, uh, quickly, maybe it's not quickly, but at least you specialized in this uh, space of, you know, music and technology. That's part of your, you have, yeah. uh, you have maybe several, but at least a book, you know, that is uh, specifically about music yeah. in the digital age, all of that. <clears throat> why? Because it were, you were in the place where this was happening or because you also had a, like, I don't know, like a curiosity, a background? I think I had a curiosity background, but I think I also, you know, my career kind of came of age or I started my career right at the point where Napster was disrupting the music industry. And so, you know, you had a, a lot of people who were at the time maybe locked into the older model, which I had some experience with. And you had a lot of people who were completely naive with respect to the way the music industry as a peculiar animal works and we're solely focused on technology. And so I've, I don't know, I liked, I liked this kind of melding of the two because I felt like I had a really good level of, of both interest and experience in both. So that's where I've really built my career over time. Got it, okay. And another thing that you also started to do, uh, let's say early on, and that's the reason why we got to meet each other was to bring in people together. I think one of the clever approaches you had with uh, Rethink Music was that you would bring people from uh, academia, business, and technology together. Yeah. Uh, why did you do that? Why is you know events? Uh, what are why are events part of your your story as well? Yeah, I think that bringing this kind of diverse set of backgrounds obviously provides different perspectives to to the other folks that are in the room. Um, 
and I think that there, you know, there's a lot of major conferences, there's a lot of major exhibitions, not just in music, but in the conference space as a whole. But I think that there's this whole other layer of events that, that can exist as well that, that do, well, are structured in ways that people can network more, that people can, can have a, something else out of it than going to see, you know, panel discussions. And while those are great and, you know, sometimes you can have excellent, excellent programming, um, you know, I think there's also opportunities to do other things that maybe don't fit exactly this, this mold. Mm -hmm. So what type of things would you like to do? So I think, again, you know, one of the things we did with Rethink Music was not only these large public music conferences, but we did smaller events, these smaller design thinking workshops mm -hmm. where we brought together these, these diverse stakeholders and we hosted them in, at, you know, in academic settings. We hosted them here at Medem. Um, I think that these types of events give people a, a different way of networking and a different kind of maybe mindset about the the way to think about things and how uh, big are these you know when you do something like that 30 people yeah yeah smaller more intimate it, that leads to better networking more you know kind of a closer feel of the of the folks that are coming together okay perfect transition to uh, one thing that you are building now and that i'm uh, gladly involved in called music 2030 yeah so as i mentioned a little while ago i'm working on a series of events Um, I call it a hub of events in, um, in the southwest of France because I think it has multiple spokes to it. That's the reason I <laughs> use the word hub. Um, ranging from you know, these, these thought leadership, smaller, uh, more intimate um, gatherings to public events to you know, things that are focused on music creative camps. And, and it, it's not just an event like a South by Southwest where it happens once a year and it's, it's, it's a big event and people go, but it, it's more of a series of things um, that happen over time. Okay, so the first, uh, the first thing, the first edition, the first meeting is uh, coming up now in April 12th, 2024. Uh, what's the idea behind it? What's uh, the vision here? What are you doing? Yeah, so we're really focused on, uh, and I'm glad to have you involved and <laughs> hoping to organize it. and, and um, Uh, is focused on th the intersection of AI and music. And of course, this is a very hot topic. We had two or three panels here at Medem. We had a great one this morning uh, talking about the topic, but um, really digging in on you know, the different ways that AI plugs into music. And I think there have been lots of discussions and debates about AI or generative AI yeah. and you know, the ability for anyone to make a, a song on their computer by pushing a few buttons and distribute it online. But AI for music can be a lot of other things. It can be better automated detection of, of content online and therefore more transparency and better royalty payouts and more tracking. Um, there's also not just generative AI, but there's other AI creator tools that exist. Mm -hmm for making music and, yeah. and you know what else can you and this is obviously not something that came about yesterday i mean you know synth and electronic drums and all these different things have evolved over time so it's just kind of the, the next natural progression and then some discussion about really the 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 um the the mashup of copyright law and and ai because um 
you know, there are, there are a lot of open questions as to what can be done, what can't be done. We've seen lots of kind of uh, sound-alike songs, which I don't even think are really that focused on copyright. It's more of a name and likeness um, claim. And so there's a, there's a lot of open questions as to where this is going. And so we're trying to facilitate some discussion around that. And uh, you mentioned like creators uh, camp, which is also like, I think, uh, a, a format or a concept that may be more popular in North America and not so well known uh, in this area of the world, like bringing uh, yeah. songwriters together to create new music. Um, why do you think it's a, I don't know, like a, an interesting format or a valuable experience? Because I think it gives, an, again, opportunity, like if you think of a conference as a way for business people to network and collaborate, I think it's a way for creatives to do the same thing. It's, it's networking, but also creates. And, and, you know, I've in the past sent artists or writers that I worked with on, on you know, various camps or retreats or whatever to, to take them out of their you know, typical space to find some, you know, some new layer of creativity because they're just deposited into a different part of the world or deposited into a room with people that have a different perspective or that play different instruments or speak a different language. Um, so I think that, that, and there's so many different ways that you can run these, mm -hmm. um, you know, ranging from diversity of attendees to having a specific goal in mind with respect to the output. Um, so we'll see. What is the goal first for this one? one? The, the, the idea one. is to have like a, like a small group working with AI tools to build new, new songs, new, new music. Exactly. So to kind of prove the way in which AI as a creator tool has evolved yeah, and yeah. what can be done. And so, you know, I've been, I've talked to various people about you know, uh, how to write songs with AI and to write songs for particular artists using AI as an input. And, um, you know, I think one of the other things that we'll explore at the event is perhaps having the audience create a song altogether. Um, but, uh, yeah, the goal is really just to, to further explore this and, uh, and, you know, facilitate discussions around it. Where is it exactly? It's in Biarritz, France, April 12th at Le Connector, which is a large event space and, and co-working center that's so just opened. I, I, I'm, uh, I've, been, I've been there, I've seen the place. Uh, you know how I feel about Biarritz. It's a really a fascinating uh, location. And what I found interesting, so we are here in Cannes and when I'm doing the, some of the interviews I did for the podcast, people would highlight the destination. Like one of the reasons why they're here in, uh, at the end of January is because of the location. They, had a, they have a great time here. It's, the weather is better than wherever they come from. Um, and something similar is happening over there in Biarritz. Like there is a destination that makes people want to come over and they're curious about it. Uh, can you tell me also like why, you know, you, I mean, why? From people, a third of our listeners are from the US. Yeah. Uh, you're from the US. What's the thing here? What is uh, so ex 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 uh, exotic, you know, about Biarritz? You know, I think Biarritz has, a, has an interesting dynamic and aesthetic to it because it's, it's on the sea. Uh, but the sea in this part, it, it's on the ocean, actually the yeah, yeah. ocean in this part of France can have its own attitudes. It can be a very angry ocean at times. Uh, it's very well known uh, for surfing. 
Um, in the winter, you get these waves that are five, six meters high and, and just crazy, um, crazy events happening uh, with respect to the ocean. But I think you've got this melding of the Basque culture, which exists because it is the French Basque country. You've got the Basque food, you've got the surfing, you've got um, the Pyrenees and the opportunity to go enjoy, uh, you know, nature in the Pyrenees. And you still have a quite, you know, luxurious city. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not Cannes, but, you know, it's still, it's still a quite nice town. And so I think you get all of these different kind of dynamics at play where it's, it's still a very, very nice place to be, but it's quite much more relaxed than I find Cannes or the Mediterranean to be. Mm-hmm. And people are much more about surfing and about outdoors life and, and, um, yeah, it's interesting because I've I've lived in several different places in Europe, and I've never had more visitors than when we started living in Biarritz, France, which is also the hardest place of all the places <laughs> that I've lived to to actually go. Uh, so, to any listener, don't be discouraged from coming, but uh, it's it is not the easiest place to get to. Amazing from overseas, yeah, from overseas, of course. Um, uh, a couple more questions before we wrap up. What is, you know, kind of your your vision with Music 2030, your own, you know, work uh, for the next five, ten years? Where do you see yourself, you know, uh, in terms of, yeah, work yeah, business? I mean, yeah, I think continuing to build out the, um, the, the, what we call creative wave music hub in Biarritz, and, and hopefully in five years, this is a well-established thing for lack of a better term in the region and then you know on my own i i have a couple of ideas for for other companies that i would like to start so you may see me uh beginning a new new entrepreneur entrepreneurial project i also have a couple of folks that i'm talking to about joining their entrepreneurial project and so um i may or may not do some of that but i'll i will continue with my advising work and uh and um you know, trying to help particularly investors in the music space. Mm-hmm. Investors who often don't come from music, who want to make an, potentially make an investment in music, understand the space uh, and have a strategic direction around it. Thank you. Um, any advice to, you know, I mean, actually I could ask also for investors, but the, one of the questions I ask, and uh, you have an entrepreneurial journey, you've started businesses, you, 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 you're talking about starting new businesses, new ventures. Uh, any advice to someone you know, willing to start, uh, like, a start like a startup in particular, um, and maybe in the music space? Any yep. tips, any advice for them? I think make sure you understand the peculiar dynamics of the music industry. Um, do as much networking as you can and uh, focus really on your product Um, you know you won't get very far without having a good product and something that resonates and adds value thank you Uh, where can we find you online if I want to talk to you where can I uh, get you you can find me on LinkedIn you can find me uh, through our website at avanceadvisors.io you can look up our uh, music 2030 project at music 2030.com and uh, that's it we meet you we meet you in, uh, in Gary it's on April 12 2024 it'll be great 
Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. We're recording live from Cannes at Medium 2024. Don't forget to subscribe on the selected podcast and join the tech events community at sesamers.com. See you there.